0: This morning we're beginning a brand new series called Kingdom Shift, Restoring Right Priorities. So We're going to be walking through the chapters 11, 12, and 13 of the Gospel of Mark over the next couple of months, and I love um, probably more than anything else preaching from the Gospels. Because in the Gospels, we come very near to our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us that the Gospel is the very power of God. And so this morning, as we come to our text here in Mark chapter 11, I want to remind you that we are interacting not simply with words that were written 2,000 years ago. This morning, we are interacting with the very life of God Himself. And the Bible tells us, the Lord lives in a high and lofty place, but also He lives near those who are humble of heart and who tremble at His Word. And so this morning... I invite you as we begin this new study together in the Gospel of Mark, I invite you to open up your heart to receive the very life-giving Word of God to you and to your life. This is not for your neighbor. It is not for your friend, though it is all of those things. But this morning it is for you. It is for me. It is for us. It is the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, we've entitled this series, Kingdom Shift, Restoring Right Priorities. Now, those of you that have been around Bethel for a while will recognize that there are a couple of key words in that title that you've heard a bit about for the last little while. I'm going to come back to kingdom in a moment. Let me talk about shift for just a moment. The word shift literally means to dislodge and reposition. It also means to accelerate and intensify. If I were to shift something, I can dislodge it from its present location, move it, and reposition it. If I'm in my car and I shift gears, I can move forward quicker. There's an intensification and an acceleration that happens. This morning, as we come to the Gospel, we are talking again about another word that you'll remember. It's not in the title here, but some of you will remember. We've talked about radical shift. Radical meaning a returning to the very roots and foundations. So, here's the deal. Here's what God wants to do with us. He wants to mess with your life. Not to mess it up, but to bring it back into its true order. Because He loves you too much to leave you the way you are. He wants to bring transformation to you. And one of the ways that that's going to happen is when there is a restoration in our life of right priorities. And so throughout this series, we're going to be talking about the restoring of right priorities and the kingdom shift. All right, this morning I've entitled the message, Welcoming the King, Welcoming the King. So now we come into our text and I'm going to read it and then unpack some things for us here this morning. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you doing this? Tell him, The Lord needs it, and will send it back here shortly. They went... And found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing untying that colt? They answered, As Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. And when they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their colts over it, He sat on it. And many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. And those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest! And Jesus entered Jerusalem and went to the temple. And he looked around at everything. But since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Now let me just give you a very brief bit of context to put this, you know, so that you can frame this in terms of where we are at in the Gospel account. We are now a week before Passover. We're a week before Jesus is going to die. And we are located here in in Bethany near Bethphage on the way to Jerusalem. They're about a mile and a half from Jerusalem. Jesus' ministry has taken place primarily in Galilee and around. But now He is coming to the end of His journey which is going to take Him to the very center of the religious life of the people of Israel. The city of Jerusalem. And He's going to come at the most populous time when pilgrims from all over the world are coming to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. So already, the pilgrims are thronging the roads, coming into Jerusalem to celebrate the feast of Passover. And Jesus comes. And He has preparations that had been made. And as He comes into the city, those preparations begin to unfold. The plans and purposes of God begin to be revealed. And the people begin to step into that. And then at the very end in verse 11, we see Jesus withdraw again. And we'll talk more about that next week when we get into Jesus' cleansing of the temple. But this morning, as we talk about welcoming the king and this kingdom shift and restoring right priorities, there are some three simple questions that I would like us to ask and we will answer together this morning. The first question is this. What are the characteristics of the king's kingdom? At the end of our passage here this morning, we hear the people crying out to God, Blessed is the coming kingdom of our Father David. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our Father David. Well, what is the nature? What's the characteristics? How do we understand what this kingdom is like? First of all, and I don't have it up here on the... uh, On the PowerPoint this morning, but, and if you're taking notes, you can just note this down, and you've heard, if you've heard me preach about the kingdom, you've heard this before, but let me remind you, when we're talking about the kingdom of God, we're not talking about a geographic realm. Some of you grew up in places that were kingdoms, where there was actually literally a kingdom. An earthly kingdom. It was a geographic realm that was prescribed by a certain, you know, geographic area and there was, within that, you were part of that kingdom. When we're talking about the kingdom of God, we're not talking about a geographic realm. We're talking about the rule and reign of God. And the rule and reign of God transcends all earthly kingdoms. It is not geographically prescribed the whole world as we will see is his kingdom where his rule and reign is at. so but let's talk about now what the characteristics of this king's kingdom are the first is this the kingdom of God is a prophetic kingdom it is a prophetic kingdom and, and and throughout the Gospel, and particularly as we get to the last portions here of the Gospel of Mark, we're going to see over and over and over again Jesus fulfilling words that were spoken about his coming from thousands of year pre thousands of years previously. In fact, when we're talking about David's kingdom, here is what was spoken to King David, back thousands of years before Jesus came on the scene. The Lord declares to you that the Lord Himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you who will come from your own body and I will establish His kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for My name, and I will establish the throne of His kingdom forever. I will be His Father, and He will be My Son. When He does wrong, I'll punish Him with the rod of men, with floggings inflicted by men. But My love will never be taken away from Him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before You. Your house and Your kingdom will endure forever before Me. Your throne will be established forever. Jesus stands as the fulfillment of of the kingdom that David was inaugurated in David, but did not come into fulfillment until Jesus came. Zechariah, one of the prophets, spoke this, "...Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion! Shout, daughter of Jerusalem! See, your kingdom comes to you righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey." Again, hundreds of years, thousands of years before Jesus was on the scene, a prophetic word was given that when He came, He would come on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. We're going to talk about that more in a minute. The significance of that. What I want you to get right now is that this has been spoken about Jesus long before He came. And the words that the people were shouting... Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Those come right out of Psalm 118. And it was part of the Hallel Psalms. O Lord, save us. O Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. So the people are singing and exalting words that have been spoken about the king long before He came on the scene. So what I want us to grab hold of this morning is this. The kingdom of God fulfills the plans of God. God has very specific plans, and those are fulfilled in His kingdom. He will fulfill all of His plans. All of the things that he has spoken that will come to pass will come to pass. Don't sweat it. It will come to pass. His word will not return void. He will accomplish that which he sent it for. It will be done. It will be done. It is a prophetic kingdom. Secondly, it is a just and peaceable kingdom. Going back again to that Zechariah scripture for just a moment. See your king comes to you righteous, having salvation, gentle, riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. When Jesus came and He came specifically on that donkey, He was declaring what kind of king He was and is. He was coming to establish His justice, His righteousness, His order, and His peace. See, we don't really have the... Proper word to describe this. In the Hebrew, the word that we're talking about is the word shalom. We're talking about the word shalom. Throughout the Old Testament, it talks about the King coming and bringing shalom. We don't really understand it because peace is a part of it, but shalom is also, it's peace It's mercy and justice all coming together. It means the right order of God established. Does that make sense? I think it's really important that we grab hold of this and get it this morning. When Jesus comes, He comes to establish a just and peaceable kingdom. Isaiah 9. Here's another prophetic words spoken about the one who would come for to us this is not just a verse that we read at christmas time (laughs) for to us a child is born this was already um referenced this morning as norm led in the worship team and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace Of the increase of His government and peace. That's what we're talking about. The justice and peace of God. His order. Things are not in order right now. Anybody anybody notice that? Anybody realize that things are not in order right now? Look around the world. Read your newspaper. But He will come to establish justice and peace. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives. This is Jesus saying this. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. So when things are going around you, coming unglued, remember the Prince of Peace. For he himself is our peace who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near, for through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. By the way, that's Ephesians 2, 11-14. Not Psalms 118. Ephesians 2. He himself is our peace. He has destroyed the dividing wall of hostility. He's broken down that wall. Ha <laughs> ha. Praise God. That he has broken down the wall and brought peace. He brings peace and order to our lives individually. And then peace and order to our relationships with others and into our society and into life around us. That's His purpose. That's the character of His kingdom. The kingdom of God expresses His heart. And this is His heart. To establish His order and justice and peace. His shalom in our lives. Get it? Get it? Okay. One more. This is a powerful kingdom. Hosanna. Do you know what the word Hosanna means? Literally? Lord save! Lord save us! Guess what? He can. And He does. And He will. That's His heart to save. To deliver. To free. To give comfort and hope and strength. He loves to do that. When you don't know what, what else to pray, start praying that. Hosanna! Hosanna! mercy. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. There is no one sitting here in this room today, there is nobody that will hear this, this message over the internet or in any other way There is no one within the sound of my voice right now who is not able to be saved by God. No sin that you have committed, no background that you've come out of, nothing that you have said or done can stop the mercy and grace of God if you will simply turn and open your arms and your heart and say, Lord, save me. Everyone who believes. First the Jew, then the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Hmm. That's the most incredible miracle of all salvation, eternal life, hope. Mm. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. It's not just about words. It's about transformation. It's about changed lives. It's about something shifting in your life and moving. It's about darkness to light. It's about death to life. It's about despair to hope. It's from brokenness to wholeness. For we know brothers loved by God that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words but also with power with the holy spirit and deep conviction the spirit of god comes with power and brings deep conviction to us with This in mind, we constantly pray for you, that our God may count you worthy of His calling, that by His power He may fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act prompted by your faith. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in Him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. The kingdom of God releases the purposes of God in your life and in our life and in the world by faith. As we step out and step in. Which brings us to our second question this morning. And the last two questions will take us much less time to answer. The first is How do we welcome the King? So here's His kingdom His kingdom is a prophetic kingdom, His kingdom is a just and peaceable kingdom, His kingdom is a powerful kingdom. Well, how do we, and it's His kingdom, the King, how do we welcome Him this morning? How can we welcome the king? Well, the first is simply with faith. When they came to Jesus and said, the, the person came and said, what, do I, what, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, Well, this is the work of God, to believe on the one that He sent. What do I do? What do I faith? I step in and I believe. I believe the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe on him. I believe in him. I don't know about you, but did you notice in our passage that the two disciples that were sent ahead to get the donkey? Now, we don't know. I mean, there there, there actually is a word for it which I, I can't remember the name of. I think I, I have it in my notes. Let me... Uh... Let me pull out this word. There's an actual word. It's called Angaria. You can put that in and really impress your friends. A-N-G-A-R-I-A. It's actually a cultural custom whereby an important figure could confiscate something for a specific time and purpose and for a specific reason. Okay? It'd be, be like me. Eh, I'm not so important. But anyway, go in and say, I need a, you know I need a limo. And I'm going to send these two guys. You guys want to go and get me a limo? Just tell them Pastor Jim needs it. Alright? And they'll say, "Uh uh-huh. Right. But he sent them ahead to get this donkey. You know what? It took faith for them to step out and do that. Faith is obedience. It means doing what the king says not just a mental thing. It's a heart thing. It's a will thing. It's an obedience thing. It's doing what He said. And they did it. They stepped out into the mission of God. We don't know their names, but they're there in the Bible. They did it. How do we welcome the King? We welcome Him in service. Here we come to the donkey. The donkey did His thing. He served the king. If a donkey can serve the king, so can you. Alright? Service simply means to do what God has intended for you to do. God has a purpose and plan for your life. He has a destiny. We just prayed for that for these kids. Those weren't just words, people. God has a plan for you. A purpose for your life. And He wants to invite you into service of Him. That's how you welcome the King. By beginning to serve Him. It's not just being, you know, a pew potato. that just comes and sits and, you know, we're here. That's good. Now I can mark that off. I, I got my time card checked for the week. And when I, get to, when I go to Bethel, I even get overtime hours, okay? I get comp time, okay? So I, I even get two, you know, all right? There's service to the king. That's how we welcome him. We welcome him with sacrifice, through sacrifice. The people gave their cloaks. They started taking off their clothes. I got a t-shirt under here. It's okay. All right? They took off their cloaks. For some of them, it might have been very expensive. It might have been for some of them that were poor, it might have been all that they had. But they take and they took and they they took those cloaks and they laid them down before the Lord they began to sacrifice. When we welcome the king, there might be some things that he requires of us to do. There might be some possessions That he might call. There might be some time. There might be some energy. There might be some gifts that he's going to call on in your life for you to sacrifice and begin to use for him. You are not signing up for the love boat cruise, you're signing up for a kingdom and a king. There's a battle, there's a real enemy. But you're part of that and you get to sacrifice for the king. But you know what? Every sacrifice you make for the king, he returns back. I mean, you can't out sacrifice him because he gave everything. That's what this table is about. That's why we're going to come in just a little bit to communion because he gave. His body was broken, his blood was spilled out. He died for you and for me. There is no greater sacrifice than that. There is no greater sacrifice. So whatever we sacrifice is only a small reflection of His sacrifice. Finally, how do we welcome the King? By being centered in Him. It's all about Him. From beginning to end. And he calls and invites you and me to center our lives in him. In order to do that, we're going to have to make a radical shift. Let me read the scripture first. Colossians 3. Let the peace of Christ... Listen to this carefully... Rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Here's what the shift is that God wants to do in you and me. He wants us to have a shift from a priority list to a priority wheel. So as we're talking about kingdom shift and restoring right priorities, here's the first thing. I want you to... This is where... This is boots on the ground. This is where I want you to get this into your spirit and into your life and somehow into your thinking. I want you to do a radical shift in your thought processes. Because usually we think of a list. And, you know, if we're in church, for sure we say God's at the top of the list, right? Okay? Because that would be the spiritual thing to say. So I start with God, family, work, friends, neighbors, whatever. Activities, entertainment, all those things, you know, whatever. So we got the list of priorities. God's really not interested in your list of priorities. Okay? You can take your list of priorities and do this because He's really not interested in your priority list. What he's interested in is actually being in the very center of your life. He wants to be at the hub of the wheel. So when you're at work or school or with family or with friends or doing your hobbies or with neighbors or whatever it is that's happening in your life, he wants to actually be at the center of that. He's not interested in being one part of your list. Does this? That's a radical shift, people. If you get a hold of this, let me tell you, it will restore and it will transform your life. Just this. You got nothing else today? Get this. God wants to be at the center. Because otherwise you're always feeling guilty about and you're always feeling off-center and off-balance with all of the different things because, well, if I'm with my family, then I'm not with God. No! If God's at the center of everything, He's at the center of your time with your family. He's at the center of your time. When you're at work, you're at work. But God's at the center of your work. When you're doing your hobbies, when you're having fun, God likes that. He created the whole world. He loves that. He's very creative. He just wants to be at the center of them. Whatever you're doing. Capiche? That's Italian. Forgot it? All right. So, why should we welcome the king? Well, two things. First of all, Jesus said when he began his earthly ministry, from that time on, Jesus began to preach repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. It's near. The kingdom of heaven is near, people. There is a king, and you're not him. There is a God, and you're not him. So we need to repent. We need to repent of our own kingdom to welcome his kingdom. Because guess what? The end of the book, Revelation, tells us this. The seventh angel sounded his trumpet and there were loud voices in heaven. Loud voices. Attention, please. Kmart Shepherds. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ. And He will reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who were seated on their thrones before God fell on their faces and worshipped God, saying, we give thanks to You, Lord God Almighty. The one who is and who was. Because you have taken your great power and have begun to reign. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ. That's why this is important. To welcome the King. Because every other kingdom will fall. Every other kingdom will end. Only His kingdom. Here at Bethel Christian Fellowship, we call ourselves the house of prayer for all nations. We didn't just make that up. It comes right out of the scripture in Isaiah. And that's because that's God's heart. His church, His kingdom, is a worldwide kingdom that crosses every culture, every barrier, every boundary, every language, every people group, every culture, every custom. Jesus reigns. Revelation 7, and I'm going to ask Jake to come on up right now. After this, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. And they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. You heard about that? Mark 11, we were just there. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Every nation. Did you catch that? Every nation, tribe, people, and language...